and the goal of this series today uh, is to look at life and to see it from four different angles. The first I want you to do, first thing I want you to do is I want you to look at your past. I want to take a courageous look at your past and then a courageous look next week at your present. The following week, a courageous look at the future. And then I'm going to take a side turn and talk about a courageous look at those around you. I am convinced that the people around you will tell me where you're headed. They tell me your story because it tells me what you like. It tells me what you're drawn to. Your friends tell me a lot about your dreams. And so I want to take a courageous look at all those areas. And I want to start today by looking at one question. What are your big lessons from your past? If I were to ask you to write them, to list them, and I hope you go home and do this. What were your big lessons from your past? Now, what I've done today is I've given you my list. In front of you are my notes. These are the things that I did when I thought about this question. And I'm going to take you to two simple texts that help you kind of, not simple, well, they're easy texts to understand. And they're going to help you understand how this all fits together. But I want to start with what I call my big thought. In other words, I sat down and I wrote down my past lessons. And what my past taught me. Now, there's some people who would say, forget the past, don't look at the past. And I'll, and I'll, I'll talk about that. I'm going to talk about the good, the good in looking back and the bad part of it. I'm going to show you the, their benefits. God takes us on a journey that is historical. And he says, no, I want to show you what Israel did. I want to show you the mistakes they made. These things are written for your examples. But then I want to tell you how Paul says, don't get stuck in the past. So there is a good and a bad to it. And learning how to balance that is really important. And all in life, believe me, life is all about balance. If you can find the balance, you'll be happier, your mind will be better, life will be better. But let me give you my, my just two simple things I wrote down that would be what I would think, um, what my past taught me about myself. There are two things. Number one, first of all, when I look back and see that I was naive and inconsistent, I am shocked. But I was. I was naive when I look back in the past, and I was inconsistent. Now, you have to be careful because for some people, even when I sit, shared this with the staff, we have these little talk-throughs before I preach. They didn't like this part, and they thought, wait, 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 wait but you've been very successful. How could you say you were naive? How could you say you were inconsistent? Well, I, I put it in print for you so you can see what I mean. Even though God has provided what the Bible calls an abundance above life, I have been what the Bible calls an abundantly blessed person. Abundantly above many. So that I could not have, it is way above what I could have imagined. I missed some things God planned for me. Let me read for you again. Even though God has provided what the Bible calls an abundantly above life that I could not have imagined, I missed, key term, some things God had planned for me. I made some choices that created some unnecessary long-term challenges for myself. Listen to this now. I missed some emotional peace. I missed some financial freedom, relationship ease, academic confidence, entrepreneurial opportunities, and some spiritual discernment or judgments that were designed to bless and protect me from some bad influences. These choices were made mainly because there was not, listen to this now, a mature 
willing to talk, discerning voice in my early years of success. In other words, yeah, I did well, but I could have done better. I could have had more peace. There were days I worried about things. There were days I could have had more academic confidence. There were days when I, I could have achieved more. My grades could have been better. I look back and I see that I could have been more entrepreneurial, but I couldn't think that way. Some of it, some of it lovingly said, comes from being a preacher. There's a deficit that comes with this job. Don't talk about money. You're always talking about money. So people struggle. That's what gets me in trouble. Things come to my mind to ask you, and I shouldn't ask you, because then if I ask you, I have to, mm, this, that bugs me. Excuse me, I'm having a moment. Because I don't want to ask you this, but I thought it'd be, be, it'd, it would make the point. You ready? Watch this. You ready? Come on, say, do it, preacher. I'm going to do it. All right, here you go. I'm not turning my back around. I usually turn my back when I ask this question, but I'm going to look at you this time. How many of you have heard people say things about me? Raise your hand. You've heard people say things about me. Put your hand up. Okay, one more time. One more time. How many of you have ever heard people say anything about me, positive or negative? Raise your hand. Thank you. Raise your hand. Okay, good. Now, how many of you have ever heard people say, now this, this says carefully, he talks too much about money? Raise your hands. Put them up high. High, high. Okay, a few of you. How many of you have heard them say, I'm hard to reach, hard to get to, and I'm, I'm aloof? How many of you have heard that? Not many? This is a good audience. Yeah, you, you, know, this should, you should be the ones who come here all the time. Maybe it's getting better. Hallelujah. Thank God. There was a time when a lot of people would raise their hands. I'm glad it's not. I say that because one of the things that's interesting is I don't think I talk a lot about money. I don't think those things are true. But... All you need is five people to raise their hands, and you'll be insecure. Come on, talk to me. You hear what I'm saying to you? I'm trying not to raise a broke church. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm trying to teach you and be honest with you so that we can all do good things together for God and touch the world and so on. But I realize there's something that happens to you when you're in certain environments. And church is a place that, that creates a fear of certain things. A fear of being um, criticized. A fear of um, being misunderstood. So if you're naive, you tend to play to that music and not be as committed. So you're, not, you're, going to, you're in a business, but you're not trying to make money. You say things like, this is God's business. No. God gave Adam to earth. Tell your neighbor, say, this is your business. Come on. God didn't claim the garden. He told Adam, this is your garden. You tend it. You keep it. This is your life. This is your body. He gave it to you. This is God's body. No, if you don't exercise, it's going to be a broke body. Come on, say amen, right? So this is not, this is, you, the, the Christian it's not God's thinking. It's, it's religious thinking that imposes upon you this idea that what you should do is not have your own money. You should pray for a rich person to come join your church and give you all the money. Come on, talk to me. Hear what I'm saying to you? That you should be a woman who's praying for a rich man so you can be lazy. 
Oh, come on, talk to me. Don't get quiet on me now. I'm preaching good. You're praying for somebody wealthy to come into your life, brother, some woman to take care of you. That's what you're praying for. You're not praying, you're not praying to be diligent. You don't want to work that hard. You want academic success without academic discipline. So there are things that you want, but you're not willing to make the investment. And part of it is you're naive. I was naive. I used to pray this prayer, Lord, bless me. Come on, lift your hand. Join me. Come on. Lord, bless me. Come on. Say, with some money right now. Okay, look in your hand. Anything in there? Anything fall down from heaven? Yeah. I used to think that's how it worked. No, you have to sow seed, water the seed, and wait for the harvest. Come on, say amen. That's right. You got to sow the seed. And so that's what you want to teach your church, your children, your people. You want to teach them the, the process. We, we sow a seed. We water it. We wait for the harvest. And then we manage the harvest. So, so I was naive. I, I, I missed levels of comfort and ease. I would have had better nights because I would not have had certain issues. Never would have had certain levels of debt, ever, because I would have understood. But I, I, I didn't have that. And here's why, because I didn't have anybody up close. There's something about letting people in the door of your business. There's something about having people who look at you. When you do get money, here's what you find you need. You need a lawyer, you need accountants, you need people to talk to you because you can't know it all. You hit too many blind spots. There are too many laws to change. There are too many dynamics. If you own a company, you ever start your own corporation, you're going to have to get help. And, 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 and there's something about people not allowing that in to your life. And I, I, I just think it's sad, um, when I look back a little bit, that I didn't have people. And here's why I didn't have people, in my opinion, and, and I look at the past, is because my success came early. And once I got ahead of some people, all they did was cheer me on. Go, Ricky, go. Go, go, go. Go, Ricky, go. Spin, spin, spin. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And I just thought I was the man at God's hands on my life. And, and I, I didn't fully understand. I, did, I just didn't. I, didn't, I was naive. And sometimes now I, I, people have said, you know, you, you, you're to yourself. No, not, I, I just can't come out to play. Nothing personal. But I just can't come out to play. If I come out to play, then I'm, this whole church is going to be in trouble. I travel, but within, within boundaries because I just can't come out to play. Practice that. Come on. Say, I can't come out to play. It's nothing personal, nothing personal, nothing personal. I would love to be on your board, love to help you, but I can't. If I serve on the board, if I do this, if I sign up for all these things, if I'm going all the, all the time everywhere, then my wife, my children, my health, my life, my members, I mean, it's, it, some of you go out to play too much. And there's a moment when you have to say, I can't. I just, I can't do every good thing. Second thing about me, when I look back, not only was I, when I look back, naive at times and inconsistent. Inconsistent. I just, I didn't do the same things over and over again. And there was nobody to tell me you're inconsistent. There's nobody, nobody could, who challenges you like that? Who do you allow in your life to say, wait, 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 wait. You told me you're going to be here at 10 o'clock. What's wrong? Why are you here at 10.30, 10.15? Now, please don't ever, don't ever take this as offense, okay? This is not me. If you ever had an appointment with me, you didn't make it. I don't have anybody in my mind, please. Okay, watch this. How many of you have been late to things? Raise your hand. 
So I'm there too, okay? So I'm not making fun of anybody who's been late. I've been late, I understand, I understand late, but my goal is to never be late. My goal is to be consistent. But I wasn't. Didn't consistently save because I felt guilty having money. I thought that when I got money, I was supposed to give it all away. And church taught me that. They taught me to sow but not save. I, I did not understand. And so it, it took a while for God to bring somebody up close to me, which brings me to the second point. I look back and see I needed more up-close guidance from mature voices. All of us need voices in our lives that know the up-close details of our lives. When you are impressive at an early age, you can often lose guiding voices. You need to stay balanced. If you're not careful, you become your own voice to yourself. See that? Ezekiel 13, I love this verse, verse 2. They prophesy out of their own imaginations. You make up stuff. God said, God said. Anybody that says that all the time is making it up. Now, I want you to look at me for a second. If it's part of your common language to say, God told me, God told me, God told me, you're making half of that up, 90% of it up. You don't need to say that. You don't need to say that. You don't need to say God, God, to, to validate what you're doing. If you want to call me, you, don't have to say, you, you can just call me. You don't have to say God told you to call me every time you call me. <laughs> I can just come to your mind. I mean, every now and then I get it. You know, every, come on, every now and then, don't, don't misunderstand me. Every now and then, and I do believe God speaks. I believe I'm prophetic. I, I can give you scores of examples where I feel God told me to call somebody. I'm not against that language. But I want you to pause for a minute and understand that part of the challenge sometimes is we get to the point that we think we are God's voice. And we start prophesying out of our own voice. It is when you live by failed cultural habits that you learn from the world around you, family and friends, sometimes church, that you miss God's best for your life. So I want to take a look back. And I'm going to show you how these things can affect you in a good way and a bad way. I want to show you how in my life there were seasons when I was naive, inconsistent, but sincere. Do you know that can go together? But I did not have people who knew the details of my life, and I wish they did. I wish they had sat me down and said, how much are you saving? Um, tell me your schedule. Um, tell, me, um, tell me about your marriage. When was the last time you guys went anywhere? Touch your neighbor. Say, that's some good advice. Come on, touch him. Say, that's some good advice. Touch him. That's some good advice. That's important. Somebody that knows the details of your life and, and who's not afraid of you and not intimidated because you're a man of God or a bishop or a prophet or whatever you are. You, you, they talk to you. I went to a pastor's house. I'm sidestepping again. And I we was just talking. And I said, his kids were there. And I said, hey, when's the last time you guys went on vacation? He said, can you spell that word for us? The, guy, the kids said it. I said, this guy's a big church, lots of people. Lots of money. I said, why don't you? And so his kid says, spell that word for our father. So I, I went to him. I said, why are your kids? I went to, right to his room. I said, why are your kids saying they don't have a vacation? He says, oh, Temple, there you go, starting trouble. There you go, there you go, he's starting trouble. I said, why am I starting trouble? You're traveling all over the world. You're doing all this stuff. Why are you? And so they went on a vacation. And you know what he did? He calls me from Disney. He says, I want you to know you're the reason I'm here spending all this money. <laughs> it's hilarious. 
They must not have learned because they got divorced and the whole thing fell apart. I wish I had a happy ending for that story. But what I've learned is that sometimes people don't listen to the voices they get. When someone learns the details of your life, do you hear it and then ignore it eventually? Do you do it for a few weeks, a few months? What, what is going to be in your mind, if you're honest, biggest lessons from your past that you are still ignoring that will lead you to a place you don't want to be? I want you to think about that because I can join you and say, God, I've been there. I've been naive. I've been inconsistent. But, Lord, I thank you that today I've made a covenant with you. And I thank you for the opportunity to start again. And that's what I said last week in the sermon. One of the greatest things about Jesus coming and dying for us is we get to start all over again. You get to go all the way back to the beginning and say, I get it now. That's one of the joys of being almost 60 in a few days. I woke up this morning, I said, you know, I can see. I'm clear. There's some things I'll never do because I'm clear. And sometimes being on the clock for 60 years helps you be clear. So there are two things I want to leave you with. One is two dangers when looking back, and then two major benefits of looking back. First of all, look with me at Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. And I want you to listen to how Paul talks about the past. And here's what he says is a danger in looking back at the past. First of all, it can keep you tied and bolted to the past. Read that with me, please. Come on. It can keep you what? Tied and bolted to the past. Verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to, to be, who have apprehended or to have arrived. I'm not perfect, he's saying. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are where? behind me. I've learned there's a value in taking the things that are behind me and forgetting about them. I can't go back and restore the marriage. I can't go back and get the job. I can't go back to that church. I can't go back to that city. I can't go back and and fix that relationship. I can't. There are some things in your past you cannot fix. That happened. Your child may never be close to you. And I want you to understand, there's an important strength you need to develop. The capacity to forget. The capacity to to take something that may be painful and put it in the forget box. Because I can't, I lost the client, relationship fell apart for 15 reasons, I can't. My reputation was damaged, I made these decisions, I thought they were good, or I didn't. Maybe I was immature, maybe whatever, but I can't. Yeah, you were married to her and you cheated. Okay, now you, can't, you cannot define yourself forever as a cheat. That's not healthy for you. You admit it, you take it, put it under the blood of Jesus, put it in the forget box. I will not define myself that way. I saw a guy on the plane the other day. I sat down next to him. And you always had this little, hi, how are you thing going, right? And he said to me, and he's a successful guy, you know, and he says to me, uh, hi, my name is, I make up a name, my name is Frank. And he says, I'm an alcoholic. I'm an addict free for eight years. You know, no, he says, he didn't say his name. I'm sorry. He says, he says, my name, 
He says, hi. I said, my name is Ricky. He says, um, hi, I'm, I'm an addict, and I'm, I've been sober for eight years. He didn't even say his name. And I said, um, what's your name? He says, I'm an addict. He says, I said, no, 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 no. What's your name, the one your mama gave you? Your daddy gave you. What's that name? And so we started talking, you know, and he started, you know, what do you do? And I said, well, I, I talk to people. I always tell people what I do. Sometimes I tell them. Sometimes I don't. Because it makes an angry up strange. You know, you're holy and stuff. Start praying or something. So, so but I think I told him, I'm, I'm a preacher guy. You know, I, I pastor church and I, something like that. And I move on. And he, and he said, he said, um, he said um, I said, can I ask you a question? Why do you, why do you, why do you say you're an addict first and you don't say your name? I just jumped in the river with him. And he, he looked and he said, well, you know, he says, well, you know, I said, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I just, that's what I say. I said, well, I said, well, you, you're not an addict now, right? right? It's been eight years. You've been sober, right? I, I mean, I understand the value in acknowledging that and understand the psychology and telling people to do that on the front end. You know, you want to first face where you are. But at some point, uh, your name is Frank. Everybody doesn't need to know that you were an addict. That's, that's, that they can know that in time if that's necessary, some value to it. But, but why must you define yourself by your past? You introduce yourself by what you used to be. I mean, I just think there's, there's a moment when you can say, my name is Frank. What's your name? And if we get to know each other really well and there's a value in telling you I was an addict, then fine. I had a friend that worked with me for, oh, gosh, four or five years. I didn't have no clue he was a heroin addict, never. He now just started a business where he he's has this big thing they do now for addicts. And I was wondering why would he leave this incredible job he had and move to, to start this business that he started with this partner and they have this big end. It's amazing thing that they've done. And, uh, and, it's, it's, and I, I, he told me, well, Rick, I was an addict for years. He's as clean cut as you want to get when you say it. You have no clue he went through that journey. And he, and he, he tells I had this passion for people who were where I, where I was. So I know I'm in this really great job making this good money, but I want to, I, and now he's going to make good money helping people who were where he used to be. But I, he never told me that. He, I, I Let people get to know the new you. I'm not trying to go against your therapy if it's telling you this, this do that. I know there's a value in saying it to some people in some places, but I think what this guy Frank did was all he was was his past. And Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind me. There's a biblical principle here. And I reach where? Forward to those things which are ahead of me. And I press. I love this. I press toward the goal. He's goal-focused in his life for a prize. The upward call of God. Say that with me, please. Come on. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So first two things. Number one, it can keep you, the past can keep you bolted to the past, tied to the past like a rope tied around your ankles. Secondly, it can, it can be the reason you stop reaching forward. The past can so define you that you don't believe in your future. The past can so stain you and embarrass you. And so Paul tells him in Philippians, says, guys, listen, forget Put in the forget box. You're aware of it. You know where the box is. It's right there. Every time you pass by that box, you know what's in there. 
we, it's not about you not knowing what's in the box. It's putting the box in its place and saying to yourself, I cannot be dominated by that. So that, my friend, is the danger. The danger of being dominated by your past. Secondly, let me talk about the benefits. There are two. The past, if viewed properly, will help you develop a better life recipe. Can you say that term, please? Come on. A better life recipe. You're going to hear more about that in the future. Come on, say it again. Come on. A better life recipe. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6 through 13 lays out God's summation of the history of Israel. And he's, he's, it's, it's one of those things that's blisteringly honest. He talks about what they did. And then he makes this statement in verse 6 of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. It's kind of like that moment, you know, you, you sat down and says, okay, let me give you an example of what you don't want to do. I'm going to go into the past of Israel, and I'm going to show you what they did. And I want you to see how it was all driven by lust. Lust is a very powerful word, and it has the idea of craving. There's a, so you need to pause for a minute and say, what am I craving? Is it attention? Is it somebody to love me? Is it what is it I'm craving after? And he wants to show you. Let me show you where their lust and their temptations took them. So let me take a journey in the time machine, go back and show you. And here's what he says, starting in verse 7. Do not become idolaters as were some of them. The people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. They were partiers. <laughs> verse 8, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, listen to this, in one day, 23,000 fell. It's a powerful statement in the context of fornication, sexual immorality, which is the sin of the day. Look at the preacher for a second. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. That's all I'll say. I went to a restaurant one time, and only in L.A. would they do this. Um, and I ordered a virgin daiquiri. And the girl said, man, ain't no virgin within three miles here. <laughs> Ten miles. Here, somewhere. I said, I just, wanted to, just want a virgin. You know what I'm saying, okay? Just get it for me. Thank you. The extra we don't need. Lord have mercy. <laughs> yes, he did. Verse 9. Now let us tempt Christ. You ever heard your parents say, don't play with me? That's what, that's what that is. Don't play with me. As some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happen so happen to them as what? Examples. And they, were, and they were written, God wrote it down for an admonition. I want to admonish you. I want to inspire you. So I'm going to write this down. I want you to be, be, be in, in, uh, inspired, motivated to the ends of the ages. And here's what you learn from that. Number one, the past, if viewed properly, will help you. That, this was given to help us. It was a recipe. Let me give you a recipe for failure. So you won't put this in your life. The past will remind you to pay attention. He lists things in their life because he says, I want you to pay attention and look for these things. 
I want you to watch for these things. And it goes into this past. Now, you can get your own list. I know you do if you wanted to. And maybe you should. You should say, I should never go to this place ever because every time I've gone to this place, I get in trouble. I should never hang out with this person. Every time I get hang out with this person, I, I get out of character. I should never. You just draw up a list. So this is God's list about Israel. What's going to be fun for you to go home, if you have the courage, and write your own list. You're overworked, you're too busy, you're constantly, you know, you don't rest, whatever your issue is. But here's, here's the list he came up with. This, there, were, there were 11, I mean, eight amazing things. First thing he says is, I'm sorry, seven things Paul reminded them of. Now, let's start at verse 12 here, under number two in your notes. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he do what? Fall. No temptation, I love this, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Here's the promise. But God is what? Faithful, who will not allow you, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But will with that temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to stand. Now, I, I have this amazing thing I do now. I've learned that God tends to shrink everything to my size. Or either I'll grow to its size. But generally, he shrinks it to my size. So if I get a bill or a problem in my life, he normally will work out something where I'm able to manage it. They, go back in your life. Can you, can you think of things in your life, they were huge, but it worked out? Raise your hand. Right? Okay. How many of it was a financial thing that worked out? Relationship thing. Right. See, it, 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 God has this ability to shrink things down. So that's what this verse is saying. There's no temptation that's taken you, but such as common demand. Other people go through it. But God will tend and always make a way of escape for you. Now, look with me and notice seven things Paul uh, reminded them about their past temptations. First of all, he reminded them, first of all, that they can fall. Take heed least you fall in verse 12. You can fall. I can fall. I'm not invincible. Secondly, he reminded them that they don't have unique temptations. Verse 13. It's common. People lose loved ones all the time. You're not the only one who lost your mother. You're not the only one who lost your dad. You're not, the only one, you're not the only one who feels alone. You're not the only one who moved to a new city and you don't know anybody in the city. You're not the only one that had to get a job. You're not the only one that, you're not the only one. You're not the only, stop thinking you're the only one. You're not the only one. Then he goes on and says this. He says, number four, he reminded them that God has been faithful to them. If you go back and play the tape, he's been faithful. Number five, he reminded them that God will not allow them. He will not allow it. You will not be tempted above what you're able. Now, here's what you can do, though. Listen to me. Create something for yourself that drowns you. I think America is doing a little bit of that. Don't get me started. I saw this incredible image the other day. It's in a magazine, and, and I, I have it, and it says it had, um, and, and this is no reflection on, on the president. I'm not just picking on anybody, so please don't get partisan on me. But it's, it's a powerful image. It was him standing in water, and the water was rising. And it was saying, it was, there's an article about how debt drown, will drown us if we're not careful. Because you're spending more than you to take in. And if you're not careful, 
If you spend more than you take in, you can give tax breaks to everybody. You can do anything you want to do. You ever partied one minute and then suffered the next? Come on, talk to me. You ever, you ever partied and, and, <laughs> and charged it up and danced during Christmas and, and saw all the gifts? I can't believe you bought me a new phone. You bought me a new phone. You bought me a new phone. Everybody got a new phone. You know, <laughs> everybody got a new iPad. Everybody, everybody. And then January, you can't make the payment. They coming in the house and say, give me the iPhones back. Give me the iPads. Everything going back to the store. Everything going back. If, if you can create a temptation, we as a church can create a temptation. Churches have done it in huge ways. By over, overdoing, overbuilding, over, overdoing, and I need to get off of that. God promises he won't do it to you. Do it to yourself, but he won't do it to you. Next, uh, next thing he says, he reminded them that God will, 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 make, will, will, will make a way for you to escape. He reminded them that God will help them bear their challenges. And then lastly, number seven, he reminded them that, he, that, 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 that life can become difficult even for faithful people. I love the fact that he says, listen, just because you're faithful, it doesn't mean that you won't have a challenge. A lot of us believe that. A lot of us believe that if I serve God and if I do everything right, that I will never be naive. I will never have a challenge. I will always be blessed and everything's going to always be easy. I don't think that's true and that's not promised. There are times in life when if you're honest, the next three questions would, would, would be a testimony to how true this is. That you could be sincere, you could love God, but if you look at your past, you can see where you yielded to temptations that put you in places that God never intended for you to be. And if you take that courageous look at that and answer this question, for example, have you allowed some big lessons you learned to go to waste? The answer for me, yes. For seasons, I ignored big lessons I learned. Have you allowed some big failures in your past to slow you down? My answer is yes. Good old shame made me not want to face it. Here's a question. Have you ignored key things you should have dealt with? Give me the answer. What's the answer? Yes. Yeah. I assume God would help. I, I, I felt, well, just pray about it. I love this. I love this. I was talking with my friend about the sermon we're sharing, and, uh, and he said this word to me. He said, don't let a moment in your past become a monument and stop your momentum. After you heard me talk about the sermon, we're just sharing it together. He said, don't let, he's a temple that reminds me, Pastor, that reminds me that people let a moment in their lives. And all of us have had a moment. All of us have failed. All of us have, all of us, all of us have been naive. Everything I've just said, you said, I can relate to that. The list of temptations in Israel, I fell in those too. Some of you would say, well, I didn't fall in this one, but I fell in that one. But here's what's good about all this. I can't let that become a monument. Well, I spent all my life allowing that to slow down my momentum. I need to get up and get going. And I need to take a courageous look at what I've got in my hand. 
what do I have to work with right now in my hand? What are the things that I can say, okay, I messed up some things in the past. That's true. I'm clear. But what do I have in my hand that I can work with in the future? Here you go. You ready? Three things. I want to give you three things because I didn't want to leave you hanging. But I'll pick up on this next week. Number one, you have, you have God's presence in your life. He's here right now. Come on, say amen if you're hearing me, people. God is with you right now. Right now, despite your past, he's with you. And number two, you have God's promise. He promised to never leave you. He promised to bless you. And then thirdly, you have God's perspective. You've got the word of God now. You have the word of God in your hand. You've got the sword of the spirit. You have a chance. Come on, say amen. You have a chance. Your life can be totally different. And so we took a courageous look at your past. But next week, we're going to take a courageous look at what you got in your hand. Praise God. I'm done. Hope you learned something. Praise God. Hope you helped today. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for what we've heard today. We lay this before you. We lay our imperfections before you. We take a courageous look at our past. And, Lord God, now we're going to take a courageous look at our present, future, and those around us. And we believe that from this series, we're going to be inspired to go to another place of healing and blessing so that we're able to help and touch others. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe for you in your past, you have not served God. Maybe that's where you've been. And maybe you say, Pastor, after hearing this message today, if I take a courageous look at my past, I have excluded God from my life. Whether you're in this building or whether you're home, wherever you are watching this, maybe it's time for you to have a prayer with me. could be watching this on demand. Wherever you are, I want you to think about what I'm saying. Think about your life. And I want to pray a prayer for you. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here, say, Pastor Rick, I know that I need to give Jesus my life. I know what you just said is true. If I'm honest, I have not been serving God, but I want you to pray for me because I want to leave this building having made a decision. With every head bowed, every eye closed for your privacy, raise your hand if you say, that's for me. That's me, Pastor Rick. Pray for me. I see you. Anybody else? Say, pray for me. I see you. Anybody else? Say, pray for me. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. Just pray. pray for you in your seat. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I get it. I am connecting with what you said today. And some of you at home, the same thing is happening in your heart. You're thinking, Lord, I, that, that's me. I need to pray with you, Pastor. Right there in your living room, right there in your house, work, wherever you are, riding down the street in the car and listening. Father, I pray for those who are listening, those whose hearts have been touched today. May they leave this place and say, I get it. I am connected. I hear the word, and I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Lord, I thank you for forgiving them today because you died on the cross to free them. May they leave you today changed and inspired. May they say, you know, I want to start a walk with God, and this is the beginning of it. And so I thank you, and I give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor for what you're going to do in their life. And I thank you for allowing us to be a part of it today. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Thank you again for coming. God bless you. I want